right. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Create Your H Show. Today, I'm very happy, very excited to bring you our guest, the president and CEO of the Credit Counseling Society, Mr. Scott Hanna. Scott, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great today, Ryan. Excellent. We've had an opportunity to share a couple conversations and I love everything that comes out of it. I can't wait to uh, get into a conversation with you today. But before we get into any of the topics for today, for people who don't know who you are yet, introduce yourself to uh, the audience, who you are and what you do. All right. I'm I'm, uh, Scott Hanna. I'm I'm a proud father of two sons and married to a wonderful wife for over 30 years, born and raised in Vancouver. But uh, you know, I'm also a person who's had to overcome a bunch of life events, uh, starting with the passing of my dad when I was a teenager, uh, with a mom who was left with five kids and uh, two mentally disabled kids. I was the oldest. I had to step up. I had to keep our family intact. So, you know, sometimes those setbacks really build, really tell you who you are. So I'm that person who's not afraid to, who's not afraid to go for the hard fight, never take the easy way out. Uh, you know, I've learned to be independent and I've learned to uh, own and learn from my mistakes. Um, and that's all part of life. And as you outlined, I'm also the president and CEO of the Credit Counseling Society. You know, it's an organization that started in 1996 with myself and two employees and one office. And today we're over 120 employees, 22 offices. And just, just verifying my facts, we've helped over three quarters of a million Canadians wow. resolve money and debt issues. And, uh, and have helped those individuals repay over half a billion dollars worth of debt since wow. our inception and growing. So it's just been a, a tremendous opportunity. And I'm really pleased that uh, I've had that opportunity. That's one of those things that you and I talked about when we first started talking a little while ago was that this idea of debt, debt by itself can hurt someone's resilience. If somebody is con- continuously concerned with how they're going to pay the bills, if they're constantly doing in the math in their head, oh, am I going to have enough money for the food? Am I going to have enough money to pay gas? Oh my God, I got this bill to pay. You're constantly worried. And if you can't take care of those basic needs, you get into very like narrow-minded focus. And, and for people who are resilient, it's about flourishing. It's about broadening that perspective. But if you're in constant state of fear because you have no money, because you're in constant debt, because creditors are calling and, you know, people are threatening to take away your services, whether it be your cable, your phone, your water, whatever it is, your mortgage, your house, not have enough food to pay, uh, money to pay for food. I'm telling you, it's a stressful position to be in. So what you do for a living, you and your team do for a living is amazing. And you're helping people get their lives back. And I do not say that lightly. It is helping people get their lives back on track where they can again feel at peace and be able to work on themselves. So you're you know, doing great was, work there. I was thinking, Aaron, but since last time we talked about another story that I, I want to share with your with your audience uh, of a client who approached me early in our inception, and uh, it was in December. He was an elderly gentleman, tears in his voice, and he asked me if it was okay if he could ask his priest to formally bless uh, one of our employees. And so <laughs> it's not the usual kind of call that I got. And, <laughs> right. and so what I learned from this gentleman uh, was that he lost his wife yeah. out of loneliness, gambled away all of his retirement savings, took on debt to uh, try and win it back. And that's never a winning, winning strategy. Felt so ashamed, disconnected with his family and was intent on taking his life and spoke with his priest. He was a Catholic who recommended that he contact our organization. He did. Um, spoke with a, one of our wonderful counselors who's still with us today. And she was able to put things back in perspective for him about the impact 
what had gone on and the fact that there was a way out and she helped him and resolved it. And so this gentleman was phoning me two years after that we've helped him saying that he had reconnected with his family, shared with them the journey, found someone new in his life and um, wanted to have his priest request uh, that they formally bless our counselor. Went all the way back to the Vatican. And have oh my it. God. You know, <clears throat> all the bonuses I could pay for, I could pay her were <laughs> nothing compared to that. No. It's something she's got. Uh, and she said to me for the rest of her life, mm. you know, the difference she made, she actually saved someone's life. So dead is debilitating. No kidding. I, uh, I got real cold shivers when you tell me that story. I got it right, right here, right now, because I know how impactful that is. That gives those stories, give your employees purpose at work. We all need to search for purpose. Again, an element of resilience is finding your purpose. And that's such a big, big thing to find. But to be able to help people and to be able to contribute, to give people their lives back, that is absolutely connected to purpose. And so even what your employees do is amazing for helping people build their own resilience. So I, I sure love that story. I'm glad you took a moment just to tell that story because it's truly incredible and so unique as well. And, and, and kudos to that uh, counselor who, uh, who helped that individual get his life back on track. Truly yeah. remarkable. So Scott, I would love for you to get into a couple of your stories. First off, let's start off with a professional setback because that's what we'd focus on here. It's not a setback, it's a setup. If we focus on the setback, that's all we're going to find. We're going to find the negative emotions. We're going to dwell on that. We're going to ask, why me? Why is this happening to me? No, we don't do that. Instead, we focus on the setup. What's the good that will come from this? Yes, this is bad right now, but it won't always be that way. This is here for a reason. There are lessons from this. I would love to hear your professional setback and the setup that came from that. Well, for me, it was 26 years ago. I was, uh, I was an executive working for an international firm. Um, <clears throat> my, my wife was on maternity leave. My boys are brand spanking new and one years old. And I left the company with no job to go to. I couldn't do it anymore. It was sucking the life out of me. And, and fortunately, um, uh, my wife was very understanding. <laughs> because It was kind of the crazy move at the time because there was a lot of fear attached. Like, what am I going to do? Do I have value still? And so... It was a big setback mentally, but you know, from that, it gave me time to reflect on what matters. Who am I going to be? And I don't just want a job. And I didn't want to look for a job again because that didn't make me happy. I had to find something that had meaning and purpose, something that would get me excited, something that I could really gravitate towards. And, and with that thought in mind, it gave me the confidence to say, you know, I can do this. I just got to find out what it is first. And, and it's funny, I, uh, once I had that mindset, I fell into this opportunity with the Credit Council Society. We kind of bumped together um, and I could see the opportunity. And uh, like I say, 25 years later, you know, I don't have a job. I have a purpose. It's something that I go to. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm thankful that um, I left the company that I had been with that I had taken a large promotion with the year before and said goodbye to it because I wasn't happy. And today I'm happy. Every okay. day I'm happy. You know, we all like our weekends, but I don't mind Mondays. There are good days too. Mm -hmm. It's that story itself. So again, if we just listen to that story on the surface, we're like, wow, good story. 
put yourself in Scott's position where you said that job was sucking the life out of you. And I know all of you out there, some of you are in that position right now where you're in a job, just a J-O-B that's sucking the life out of you. I've been there. Not a fun place to be where you, you don't like waking up in the morning, right? You love Thursdays because you can't wait for Friday because the weekend's coming. And then you love Friday night. Saturday's okay, but you hate Sundays because Sunday's the, the day before you got to go back to work on Monday. And that's all you dread. And when you dread work, I'm telling you, it, it absolutely takes a hit on your mental health. So not only were you feeling that kind of stress, but then you made a courageous decision at the time where you probably had so much fear inside of you. How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to take care of my family? I'm the provider. And yet, am I able to provide? I don't even know. And so you have all these thoughts of self-doubt perhaps and fear and you question your ability to make decisions. But then later on, obviously as time will tell, you do very well. So while you were going through that, I would just love for you to maybe give us a little bit more detail with how you were feeling at that point in time and what was the moment? Because there's some people out there who might've already made the jump and they're feeling that stress right now, or they're thinking about making the jump and they're worried about the stress they're gonna feel. What do you tell that person? Going back there, Scott, and thinking about how you feel, what do you tell that person who might be in those positions? You tell them that you only go around once, or at least that's what I think anyways, that in life's too short to be unhappy. And sometimes you have to, you have to take a plunge towards happiness to make something. Because we all know people who, who have a job, who hate going to their job. I have a couple of friends like that who couldn't wait to retire. And I thought, boy, they wasted their entire life. You know, when I had taken this new position, six months into it, I was not feeling the love. This is not what I expected. I'm not getting pleasure out of this. I was working like a dog six days a week. And um, I think for one of the straws that broke the camel's back was, it was a Saturday when I brought my two boys to work. And I'm working all day with the two boys there and sort of half looking after them. And I said, what am I doing? They're only young ones. I'm not spending time with them. This is this is not right. So, you know, I reflected upon that, and and I recall the night that I told my wife, "I'm done." And uh, to her credit, I obviously married a great person. She says, "It's the right decision. You are not happy. I'm not happy." So, I tell those people, "You'll know when it's time to t to make a change. You may not have all the answers about what you're going to do, but you know, in your heart, you can't keep doing what you're doing. It's not your future." right very encouraging words and it doesn't make it easier for a lot of people where you're in that position you have to make the decision yourself and sometimes you know life will find a way to make the decision for you and you might end up getting fired you might end up getting laid off but you know sometimes it's better to do things on your own terms but uh, you know if you're not happy where you are there's a reason for it it's not aligned to what you want to do and maybe you should be out there looking for something that does interest you. What do they say? The best time to find a job is while you have a job, right? It's Get so your true. next job while you have a job. So if you're not happy, instead of maybe jumping ship, if you don't have that, that courage to do that, or maybe you just, I say courage, but maybe you just don't have the ability to do that. Maybe you have too many bills piling up and you can't afford to take any months off or any weeks off. Then do yourself a favor, do your family a favor, do your future a favor and look for a new job or a new career path that is more aligned to what you want to do. And if you don't know what to do, ask yourself that question first. What do I want to do for the next five years? What gets me excited? Something that I think will definitely be worth your time. 
I think self-reflection is important, but also getting perspective from your friends and family. What do you think? Uh, Getting some honest feedback. You know, I also think that um, one of the things that drives me forward is that there's a word that I don't have in my dictionary, and that's can't. Can't doesn't exist. Because as soon as you use the word can't, you're not going forward. So what's can't, it's about how can I do this? And maybe it's, maybe you can't go this direction, but you can go in this direction but you can still get to what, where you want to be. And so it's important to have that, the, your mind open to possibilities. That's you know, exactly right. Until, until, unless it's open, you're not going to see the future. Mm. There's a lot of depth in that as well. And I hope that people don't just take that as surface value, but that idea of not having can't in your vocabulary essentially comes down to ask yourself a better question. If you ask yourself a better question, you get yourself a better answer. So you can go ahead and just say, oh, well, I, I can't do that. If you can't do that, you've already made a decision that you're not going to do it. Your mind has just looked like blocked it off and your brain says, oh, okay, you can't do it. So we won't. So I'm not going to give you any attention. I'm not going to find any examples for you. But if you ask the question, how can I do this? What can I do to to make this happen? What information do I need? What people do I need to talk to? What videos do I have to watch? What education do I have to get? Um, who do I have to learn from? If you ask better questions, you'll find better answers. And you might not find them right away. In fact, you probably won't find them right away, but they will come with time. And as long as if, and this, this I know for sure, and I wish I could explain why this happens. I can't explain how or why this happens. But when I learned to ask a better question, I just found the answers started to come to me. And that's not some fluffy BS. It's just the truth. My mind just starts to key in on things like a homing missile. When I ask a question, my brain's like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. And then all of a sudden it just, it's got it. And then it finds it. And then I sit there and I'm like, that's just weird. Isn't that a coincidence? Why is that just happened? Why did that plop into my lap all of a sudden? Why did I see that? So strange. Either, you know, you get the email, you meet the person, you find the book. It just happens. So I love that little prompt there, Scott. Again, can't is in your vocabulary. Instead of saying can't, ask how can I? Ask better questions and your brain will find you some better answers. It does. I love that. Absolutely love that. So let's transition from the professional setback. And then we found this setup, which is obviously doing what you're doing right now, helping so many people around Canada and, uh, and helping them with paying back their debts. And you're doing amazing work. That is a tremendous setup, finding the work and, and the purpose in your work. I would love to get you to tell us, tell everyone listening about your personal setback and the setups that's coming from it. Yeah, it, it's, um, it happened two years ago mm. and it was being diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Um, you know, I was so, so used to having the belief that um, I could overcome any obstacle. You know, so when I learned that the cancer I have has no cure, it impacted me mentally for, for, for over a year. Um, it was, in fact, in control of me. And the fact that I was just told by specialists that all I could do was wait until it was bad enough that they would start treatment. And, you know, I, I was, I went through all the emotions, kept it, and was very private about it. Didn't even tell my wife initially when I had it. Or my son's. Um, but, you know, slowly I came to realize that cancer was just a disease. It doesn't play favorites. And, and, if, and really, even though I knew that the cancer will eventually take my life, I was, not going, I was not going down without a real hard fight. And I was not going to let cancer define who I am. I will define who I am and fight this under my terms. And when I 
took back control of my life because that's really what it was, taking back control of my life, things were a lot better. And I started asking myself, what can I do? As opposed to just waiting and feeling like a victim because you have the victim mentality. Yes. And so I said, well, here's what I can do. I can get in the best shape of my life. I can change my diet, which was, was, was pretty good to a diet that was amazing, plant-based. I could read a lot about what I need to do in terms of rest, um, how I react to things, learn not to take life so seriously. And it's, and I recently had, cause I, I have quarterly blood uh, tests. My blood tests for the last three months compared to what they were in October are noticeably better. Wow. And that's in three months. So wow. you know, it's, it, um, the best thing I can do is slow things down mm. and, but, and, but be open about it. So, you know, I'm open about this now. It's, I'm not embarrassed by it. You know, I didn't seek it out, but I've got it. It's a, it's my, it's my new uninvited guest, but um, mm. it's not me and doesn't define me. And so I don't feel sorry for myself or anything else. Uh, I'm living and uh, I may not live as long as others, but uh, I'm going to live and continue to live. That's my decision. So it's got me back in track with who I am. Scott, I love you, man. I love that story. And, you know, when you and I started talking about this, um, we have a choice to either focus on that which we cannot control or we focus on that which we can control. Focus on what you can control to better your circumstance, whatever the heck it might be. Put your attention there because that's energy better off used rather than you putting energy and attention and focus on the things that you can't control. The worry, the anxiety, the fear. Don't do that. Focusing on continuing to build your life grow, get better. That is where you need to be putting your attention. And you've done that. You and I talked about this, where you were saying that some of your friends were saying, no, nah, you should, uh, you should retire. You should leave the credit counseling society, get out of there and, and, and take a, take a vacation. And you and I both said, we both shook our head when you were saying we were both shaking our head and that in itself is giving up. That's giving up. But instead, you were telling me today about all the great work that your people were doing and, and, and you were doing with them about planning for the future. And that is what we need to do. No matter how hard the obstacle is in front of us, no matter how high that hill might be, we have to charge up it. We have no choice. And you know, the one thing I'll say is when you and I were also talking, for people who don't know the story of Roger Bannister, mm -hmm. right? it was this idea that the human body could not run, right, the, uh, the, the quarter mile under a certain period of time. And for the longest time, it could never be done. It could not be done. And people would say, no, the human body is not designed to do that. The bones would break. You know, you, you're, we're not as strong. Our muscles aren't as, as, as strong. We can't do it. We're not that fast. It's not going to happen. End of story. Let's close that book. It's just not going to happen. Until one day someone did. Someone got psychological just strength and decided, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the first person to do it. And despite the fact that no one's been able to do this before, I am going to be the one to do it. And he did. But the crazy thing was, after he did that, the first person to ever do it blew people away. We never thought it was possible. After he did it, that exact same year, what'd you have? 15, 20, 25, 30 people do the exact same thing. 
but how is that possible? Because it all starts up here. For people who are listening to the podcast, I'm pointing to my head. It starts up, up here with belief. Do you believe that you can do this? It's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy. You have to believe in yourself and you have to take the right actions to get you there. And when I think about your story, Scott, I think about Roger Bannister and what he was able to accomplish and how you've taken complete control over your life to focus on the most important things, focus on your health, focus on your mindset. And we both know that's an amazing combination and the results are there, right? Your blood work's coming back better than it was in October, which means you're moving the needle in the right direction, my friend. So your story is so inspirational. Again, I, I get cold shivers again because there are a lot of people out there who have also been diagnosed. Um, I've received a lot of different messages from people over the years who have been diagnosed with certain uh, ailments and they turn to me for inspiration. They say like, like, what do I do? Listen to Scott and do as Scott's doing because that to me is taking the resilient approach to challenges that you have in your life. And like you said, it's an unwanted guest and a lot of challenges and challengers in our life, they're, they're there and we don't want them. But through the adversity, we grow. And um, man, I just got to say, I, I love you for telling that story. I really do. The vulnerability and, um, and you sharing that with us, that means a lot to me. And I know it's going to mean a lot to a lot of people out there listening right now. Good. So my friend, I do have to ask you one more question before we let you go here. And it's about, again, what you're doing. We've heard a lot about what you're doing, about what you do on a regular basis. But for people out there who are looking to be very tactical about this, they want to know, hey, what's one thing that Scott does to maintain his resilience? Because maybe something that you do to maintain your resilience resonates really well with somebody else out there who's listening to this right now. Maybe people look at me and they say, I will never do what you do, Ryan, to maintain your resilience. Hey, that's okay. Maybe Scott's got something for you. What do you do, Scott, to maintain your resilience? You know, for me, it, it's um, about spending time alone and just resetting things. And oftentimes it's whether I'm running, walking, swimming. Uh, I've had some great conversations with myself about swimming length after length, not right now during the, right now during the pandemic, but it's um, really reflecting upon things and putting things back into perspective, asking myself, what things can I control? What things can I, that are beyond my control and really just have to let go and prioritize it. But also recognizing that um, it's important that, um, you know, a life without setbacks and challenges isn't much of a life. And it's important to celebrate the successes along the way, but, but also learn from the failures. It's part of the journey to success. And just because a project is a failure doesn't make you a failure. That's right. It means, okay, you went in the wrong direction. So change directions, re recharge, rethink. What do I need to do to get it back on track? And so if you're always looking for the positive in things and giving yourself hope, hope is such a, a powerful, it's a powerful drug, hope. And it's, it forms part of our, of our mission statement. You know, we, we help, we educate, we give hope. When I've seen the difference over the years when someone who is feeling down, no hope, and we can change that sometimes in an hour. It's so powerful for me. I stay focused on that. Such great takeaways. And I really hope that you go back and you listen to it. There's so much wisdom, so much knowledge, so much insight in everything that Scott shared with us today. 
Again, that is Scott Hanna, the president and CEO of the Credit Counseling Society. Scott, if people want to go ahead and connect to you afterwards, how can they go about connecting with you online? Are you on LinkedIn, Twitter? Where, where, where can they connect with you? I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. They can connect with me there. I'd be happy to, be happy to do so. They can certainly find me even through our, our, our company website, uh, nomoredebts.org. I'm, I'm, I'm visible. People are out there right now and they're sitting there listening to this and they do have debt and they want to take that first step to help them get themselves back into a state where they can control their lives, where they don't have this, this, this looming storm over their head all the time is called debt. How do you recommend they get started? No, I would, I would come to our website, which is nomoredebts.org. You know, for a lot of people, you know, money is such a taboo subject. You know, we all hear of people who say, well, I made a killing in the stock market, but no one talks about how the stock market killed them. It's hard. You know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on what people have and what others don't have. We, we take away that. And I know how hard it is for someone to connect. But given the fact that we've helped over three quarters of a million people, we, we keep it confidential. I think it's courageous when anyone can reach out for help. You know, I need help. We respect that. And, and you get help and it's, it's the help that you need to help you move forward because we're not, we're not born with money skills and it's not part of our gene code or anything else. It's learned. And sometimes you have a life setback. It wasn't a fault of your own. It was an illness. It was an injury, a job layoff. Lots of us are laid off right now. And yet it can become so paralyzing. And so for so many people, just, it stops them in the tracks. And so right. I just say, boy, have the courage, connect. You'll feel mm. better. Mm. You are absolutely right about that. You will feel better. And coming from a guy who uh, was in that position before, you know, again, it was just one hit after another. And sometimes it's unfortunate that you take those hits one after another. And for those of you out there who are listening, who have heard my story once, twice, twice, maybe, maybe more than that. And you've heard my story a handful of times you know that there was absolutely a setup that came from that. Um, you know, losing a bunch of money, if in fact, yes, in the stock market, just foolish mistakes and a little bit of uh, overconfidence. Um, quick story, actually, I'll let you know, Scott. So I was um, watching a video game company, THQ. They released the very first UFC game and I just knew small little video game development company. They're going to make a killing out of this and their stock just hockey stick growth. And I was sitting there just, yeah, making a lot of money and I was buying options at the time. And uh, I was just waiting for the conference call, waiting for the conference call. Didn't know what the heck I was doing at that age. And um, all of a sudden the conference call, I'm like, it's going to have the best conference call ever. I'm listening to it. Yeah. You know, this is our best growth ever. It's amazing. I'm like to the top, baby, to the top. And then all of a sudden they say, that's Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Eh, we don't really have anything going. <whistles> Everything just crumbled. And so I held on for dear life, hoping that something was going to come back didn't come back. My options expired, lost everything, everything. At that same time, I was, uh, I threw away my business to go and work for another individual who, um, uh, you know, kind of took me, I took me for a ride, uh, for the tune of about $120,000, but, uh, I got in a really tough financial position for a little bit there, but those lessons that, those setbacks were a setup for me because it told me that, hey, like you got to be more responsible. You got to be more thoughtful. You got to be more strategic and maybe approach things with a little bit less risk. But you know what? If I would have had the knowledge before that, um, it would have made my life a lot easier. And if I had somebody like you or your counselors, it would have made my my ride, my my ride to the setup 
even faster and even better. So if anyone's out there and you have money troubles or you have debt, please go give the Credit Counseling Society um, a call and uh, go to their website. Uh, Scott, what's the website for everybody? It's uh, nomoredebts.org. There we go. Go to the website and uh, absolutely get yourself some help. But Scott, my friend, it was an absolute pleasure speaking with you, my friend, and I look forward to doing it again soon. All right. Take care.